We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media, including our Patreon account, where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Art Podcast Network. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for tuning in. Hopefully uh, you guys are able to have a good Monday. Going to chat today about the Chargers versus Niners game. Uh, first got to introduce my guys here, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, how are you doing today, man? And how was that game experience like yesterday? Going to the game was great. We parked in the purple lot, purple zone, whatever, and you, you go right in and you walk right to the stadium. It was so nice. If you can park in the purple zone during the season, guys, absolutely do it. Then we got to the game and we were all pumped. We were eating hot dogs and everything. Those deep fried shriveled hot dogs were fine. Like they just, they hit the spot for what we needed. And then the game started and the quarterbacks kind of stunk the whole way through. My dad and I were just kind of like, yay. But you know, hey, uh, it, was, it was good to be there. Unfortunately, this does mean that the Chargers have lost every single game at SoFi Stadium that I've watched. So maybe I'm a bad luck charm. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I've got to give a, uh, a shout out to my wife Brooke because she leaned over in the second quarter and was like, "Man, preseason football is really boring." But <laughs> she stuck it out and she watched the whole rest of the game with me. So shout out to yeah. Brooke. Um, Alex, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I, I thought the first half was okay, but then when I was watching like Nate Sudfeld recreate the Sanchez butt <laughs> fumble, I'm like, okay, this is this is too much. Yeah, I thought, it, like, it, from a football perspective, I thought the second quarter was was good, yeah, right? Like, absolutely. you had Daniel Reed, you had uh, Easton Stick lead a drive, you had Trey Lance lead a drive. Other than that, it was just, like, a lot of sloppy play from both sides, and mm-hmm. that kind of happens once you are, you know, you're practicing against the team for two weeks, and there's so many backers playing. Um, but we'll get into that for sure. Um, Tyler, did you enjoy all the charge no, I hate that. I, honestly, <laughs> I know people, some of the older heads are like, well, that's tradition and whatever. I don't really care. The whole, <laughs> and then it's like, charge. You can't <laughs> yell charge 
in a way that sounds really cool or epic like charge chat like there's no there's no bass to it you know like you, there's no what do you do i don't know what else to yell but it's just i don't like it i'm sorry for everyone who disagrees with me apparently that's my worst take of all time according <laughs> to twitter i don't like it they need something else yeah, I, I just feel like they should just do the general like, and that's another charger, and then everybody else first down, and like call it. Sure, game. yeah, or yeah. just fire the cannon thirty times a game. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I I got the tickets for the Browns game from Matt Henriksen, and mm. apparently Matt sits like right in front of the cannon. <laughs> so that's gonna be fun. I I wish oh, I kind of would have known that, but it's all good. Very excited to go to the Browns game. Shout out to nice. Matt. He's been a uh, uh, an awesome supporter of the show. So. Um, uh, we see all of you guys in the chat. Thank you so much. Uh, Arjun, we will be talking about Kyler Fackrell for sure. Um, shout out to Arjun as well. He did a, a wonderful recap on Pro Football Focus. Uh, so if you have not checked that out, make sure and go do that. Um, but let's start with the quarterbacks first and foremost. Um, of course, Easton Stick got to start the game and then Chase Daniel got to play uh, the second half or at least attempt to play the second half. <laughs> um, let's, let's start with the positives of Easton stick, because I know a lot of people feel like, oh, they're guilty as charge guys. They hate Easton stick. That's not really true. I, I felt like heading into this race. I just, I don't really care who the backup is. Like I, I don't really trust either one in a pinch to start a games, but I do feel like Easton stick played well. Um, he didn't really have a ton of time, but I felt like he was who we thought he was. I think he struggled with his progressions. I think he did not feel comfortable in the pocket, but you saw the escapability. You saw the athleticism that play. Um, you know, they did like an RPO read and it happened to break down and Easton stick ran right where Joshua Kelly was. Like he just kind of replaced Joshua Kelly, even though he was supposed to pass the ball. Like that was weird, but it was fun. Like that's Easton <laughs> stick. I, like he is a very fun athlete. The play that he had to uh, Joshua Palmer was great. Yep. It was not Joe Montana-esque, as Dan Fouts put it on the broadcast, but it was great. It was fun. Um, I will say the pass to, to Jalen Guyton was by far the best throw that I have seen of Easton Stick's career. I so agree. I thought there was definitely some good moments in there, but I do not feel like he did enough to really like separate himself from Chase Daniel. And I think that is the honest assessment as, as unbiased as we can be from last night. I'll go oh, then. Was I supposed to go? No, no, I didn't know if I was <laughs> supposed to go or not. You, you, Steven, you have to start saying like Tyler, Alex, Tyler. Okay, whatever. Anyway. Sorry, um, I'll do that. <laughs> no, I, I thought Easton Stick was all right. Um, I thought that he had some good moments, right? Obviously, the throw to Josh Palmer in the back of the end zone was just like really well done. Um, I thought really any situation where he was able to improvise uh, would just kind of worked. Um, but really when it came to some of the more just like first, second read stuff, like that, that's the part where Easton stick struggles. And now again, this is the backup quarterback race and people keep talking about, well, you know, if Justin Herbert goes down, you know, the team is done anyway, right? Like if something happens to Justin Herbert, you know, the Chargers aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, however, what I would say about uh, just Easton Stick and, and Chase Daniel in general, it's just, you know, uh, who who do you really trust, I guess, to uh, get it done, right? Like, if somebody needs to win one game, do you trust Chase Daniel or Easton Stick? Coming into this preseason, my answer for that would be Chase Daniel. And for me, the answer is still Chase Daniel, right? Like, people want to talk about mentoring Herbert uh, and all that stuff. 
that's not really what I care about. It's just like who makes the best backup quarterback. I think there's actually an interesting parallel um, between, you know, we had Cardiel Jones versus Kellen Clemens a few years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for sort of that backup job. And I think that's sort of a similar thing, not saying Cardiel Jones and Easton Stick are the same thing. Uh, Stick is definitely more athletic, but it is, okay, we have this young quarterback prospect that we can develop and see what he becomes, right? Or we can just have this veteran guy who's going to sit behind Philip Rivers and be the backup in case anything happens, right? And I think that this is a similar conversation, right? Stick is definitely the guy that two or three years from now, like I would expect him to kind of be better than Daniel. I don't think he'll ever be a starting quarterback, but I think he'll bounce around the league uh, for a couple teams and probably get into some preseason still um, just because of his athletic traits. But, you know, as far as who's the more established guy playing in the regular season now, I still think that should be Chase Daniel. Um, I know he was bad last night. Stick was yeah. good. Uh, I, I give Stick some credit. At the same time, I just I just came away kind of unimpressed with both of them. Um, I, you know, Stick yeah. had some passes batted down at the line that he just kind of threw too late. Um, and then there were just, you know, once he got past the first, second read and was like, okay, I'm going to use my legs that's where he sort of shined, but also that's not going to work in the regular season, right? Like if stick actually does have to start, start a game, like I, I really don't think he's going to be able to make that work against first string defenders. Right. So that's really, um, I think the issue, uh, but again, had a good game. Uh, I, I don't think there's much you can, you can argue about it. I would just say that if not for that touchdown drive, um, then I, I don't really know how we're talking about Easton stick today. Right. Uh, you know, and to be fair on that touchdown drive, there were two penalties uh, on the Niners defense, which really kind of yeah. kept that alive for as long as it was. And that whole drive started because of the Devon Campbell interception. Right. So to me, um, I thought stick and Daniel uh, stick particularly looked better yesterday, but I thought the offense was just clunky the whole time. Right. <laughs> like, if Stick doesn't hit that pass to uh, to Jalen Guyton, then the Chargers don't get that field goal. And if the 49ers don't commit those penalties, along with the Campbell interception off the uh, Lance high throw, then the Chargers yeah. don't get that touchdown, right? So there was never like kind of a sustained drive like in the first game, right? Where the Chargers have this 20-yard drive that goes down the field and they're moving the ball. Um, that was just the case with Larry Roundtree, right? And, and sort of how that worked um, in game one of the preseason with Daniel Anstick, I thought they both did a good job. So even though they scored 10 points this game, 13 points last game, I just thought last game was a lot cleaner from an offensive standpoint. So to me, I think Stick wins this battle. I do still have Daniel winning the war, if you will, for the quarterback two spot. Um, but to me, they just both looked kind of meh. Also, mostly because the offense just looked meh as a whole. Yeah, Alex, you pretty much hit everything. There's not a whole lot more I could add to that. It was... You know, just because Daniel played so poorly doesn't mean that Stick played so great. Like I know what the passer rating says, yeah. but sitting there with the end zone view that I had, which is different than the sideline view most of the, the audience got, he just does, Stick just doesn't have that yet. He has not progressed in a way that a quarterback possibly should from 2019 until now. It was a bit rough to watch. And some of the struggles that you see, like the batted passes, him just not being able to overcome, which again, it's not all his fault, but he's just not a tall quarterback. So he just has consistent batted balls at the line. That's something I think happened four times at the scrimmage. It happens every day in camp. I believe uh, Cortez Brown intercepted him off of a tip pass as well. 
Yep. And so, like, listen, what he did, what he was able to do on some plays was great. And he deserves a lot of credit for being able to do what he did with a line that was not giving him any favors. But at the same time, some of the pressures, I think, were also on him for holding it too long. And everyone in my and everyone in my section was going, you know, throw it, throw it, throw it. Come on, come on, come on. And it was yeah. just kind of frustrating to watch in general. So as far as the QB2 battle goes, at the end of the day, what was Brandon Staley's biggest pitch to become most important pitch to become the next Chargers head coach? And that's what are you going to do to help Justin Herbert? You know, what are you going to do to make sure that he has the most success possible this year and moving forward? And, you know, part of that was, oh, we're going to use the draft. Part of that is we're going to use free agency. It was clearly, clearly the plan. No matter what else happened on defense, we're going to make sure that Justin Herbert is the best quarterback possible for the rest of his career with the Chargers. And Chase Daniel is still the best option to make sure that Justin, at least for right now, that Justin Herbert is the best quarterback moving forward that he can because he can look in the quarterback room at Daniel and say, hey, you know, Sean Payton did this that one time. What would you do? Or, hey, we call it this. What do you call this? I never played quarterback, so pardon me here. But, you know, Daniel is able to translate this offense and talk about this offense and the complexities yeah. of such a complex offense more than Stick. And again, we've brought this up many times. But again, it is still worth noting that despite what Stick brings to the table as a potential backup, it is all still this whole season and moving forward is about Justin Herbert. And Daniel still helps him the most. And so he is still the quarterback, too. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to for me. Like, I, I understand the thought process of like, well, you want your backup to be, you know, capable of starting some games. It's like, well, like, I think people are really overvaluing, like, how many backup quarterbacks are, like, capable of starting games. And mm -hmm. I, I like, if you go through the entire list of the NFL, who are backup quarterbacks, like, who are you really trusting to win you some games if your starter goes down? Like, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, like where, like where does the list stop? Like Marcus Mariota, there aren't many backup quarterbacks out there that are great quarterbacks. That's why they're all backups. Like to quote mm. Anthony Lynn, they're backups for a reason. Like that's just the reality of the situation. Uh oh. Um, I think like when you're choosing who your backup quarterback is, generally speaking, it's your the thought process is: Do I have a young guy? Okay, my backup's going to be a veteran. Do I have an older guy? Okay, my backup's going to be a younger guy that I'm trying to develop. That's why you take Easton Stick. You take Easton Stick because you have Philip Rivers. You're able to give him, you know, essentially like the plan was two years to develop, and then we'll see what happens. Unfortunately, you know, COVID really ruined things for him, and, and he didn't get that chance. But really what I wanted to see from Stick this offseason is kind of the mental side of things. How is he processing information yeah. at the line of scrimmage? How is he processing information after the snap? And to me, like what I saw is a quarterback who either didn't trust his line or he didn't trust himself because he would drop mm -hmm. back and like immediately go to the checkdowns, like yep. immediately. And that's not how offenses work. Like Tyler pointed out, like Josh Palmer, the touchdown to Josh Palmer was the first time that he threw to a receiver or the first time he completed a pass to a receiver. I think he did throw it at KJ Hill one time in the, on the first drive. But mm -hmm. I, I just, like, I haven't seen enough improvement for me to be like, okay, this is the backup. Whereas with Chase Daniel, I know that he played yesterday, but that third-string offensive line gave up a pressure on every single play after Brendan Hymas went out, you guys. Like, I think we are <laughs> all kind of overvaluing how a backup is supposed to play in those circumstances and not making excuses. He did not play great. He threw the ball over Tyron Johnson's head and nearly got him killed. He threw an interception. 
Yeah. Chase Daniel did not play very well. But you could see the frustration on his face. Like he knew the circumstances. And I just I don't think he had a fair chance yesterday. And that's what Brandon Staley said after the game for both of these quarterbacks. They feel like they are better, they are able to better express themselves in practice when they're working with a consistent second team offense. Mm-hmm. And if he's valuing practice more than these preseason games, then it's going to be Daniel because, I mean, I haven't been to every practice. You know, I'm only reading most of the comments, but Daniel is the one who's been more consistent in practice. Yeah. Tyler's been in more practices than I have, so you can kind of speak on that too. But if he, if he's valuing practice, it's going to be Daniel. Yeah, I mean, and Kevin Kevin put inside in the chat, uh, Daniel played fine versus the Rams and everybody forgot. Like yeah. <laughs> Daniel had this Daniel had the same situation where he started the game and he looked better than Stick. Now the numbers would say in terms of passer rating that Stick was better, but I think passer rating is kind of a shit stat to use when you looked at EPA per play in the first preseason game. Uh, you had Daniel, who was a lot better than Stick, and then in this mm-hmm. game, Stick edged out Daniel in terms of EPA per play, but. You also had, uh, they were pretty close, actually. Arjun posted the stats, and Arjun's not here to, to kind of, you know, refer to them. But to me, Chase was really good against the Rams. Uh, I thought that Stick was okay versus the Rams. And in this game, I thought that, you know, you had Daniel bad and Stick was okay, right? To me, that was just how it worked. Um, and if you look at their EPA per play numbers uh, this game, they were pretty similar, right? <laughs> like... And, mm-hmm. and I know people are going to talk about how they develop as quarterbacks and, and the fact that, you know, stick is a guy that has a higher ceiling, but like, to me, what, you know, that doesn't matter for the chargers at this point. Um, I, I really don't think it does because you have Justin Herbert for now, right? This isn't when you had yeah. Tyrod Taylor and Phillip rivers and all this uncertainty about who would be the quarterback in the future. That's why they drafted Easton stick. I believe in 2019 um, just to see what they could have and whether it would be Phillip rivers last year or not. People didn't know. They also didn't expect to go five and eleven in 2019 and have the sixth pick, uh, in right. which got them Justin Herbert. Right. Um, so, you know, for me, all of this comes down to the fact that Chase Daniel also has, uh, you know, a higher margin for error. Right. Like he is a guy that's been in the league for you know ten plus years uh, and has played in 70 games. <laughs> like that's just the reality of this quarterback battle. You know, if he has a bad preseason game. Um, so be it, but like stick has to put himself over Daniel if he's going to win. Right. It's the same thing I, I just mentioned with Callan Clemens and Cardell Jones or some of the other quarterback battles, right? If you have this young guy who's going to develop versus, you know, this old veteran that the team trusts, especially in Daniel's case, because he has this familiarity specifically with, uh, Lombardi, then stick has to kind of leave no doubt, uh, that that's just the thing for me at the end of the day. Uh, and to me, I didn't feel like last game was, a uh you know uh leave no doubt performance if you will that's the other thing that it wasn't like a mic drop from easton stick in either game so how can you like definitively switch the guys and as far as practice goes you know maybe someone will disagree with me but check out daniel popper's reports i think he had 17 reports for the 17 days of practice i'm pretty sure daniel was the better quarterback in 16 of those uh, if not all 17 to be completely honest and again daniel does get to work with the better players but he also gets to go against the better defenders, if you will. Another thing I'll say about Daniel is I'm actually curious, and I guess this would help both quarterbacks, but I'd be very curious to see how he'd perform if Austin Prohl actually suited up because Prohl and Daniel have a connection. They were hitting, even in the scrimmage, I think they had four or yeah. five passes to Austin Prohl. And whereas you know him trying to work with KJ Hill, who for whatever reason was the featured guy throughout the entire day yesterday, 
or at least they tried to make him the featured guy. It just wasn't working. Whereas Prohl, everything was working so well in practice and at that scrimmage with him. And then he's not playing and Daniel just doesn't look that good. I'm not trying to make an excuse because this would help both quarterbacks, but you know, I just, it just looked kind of funky, but either way, like, like Alex said, there was no mic drop performance. I'd love to see one, but even with mic drop performances, you know, they, they're not always going to go with the guy who performs the best. What is the most valuable to our situation currently? Cardell Jones outplayed Easton Stick in the final preseason, especially that last preseason game. But they still kept Easton Stick because that was more beneficial to their current situation. And so I think even if Stick outperforms Daniel in the preseason, I still think they keep Daniel because he is more beneficial to their current situation. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Austin Prohl, did anyone see an update for that? I don't think after nope. Popper's like he's not suiting up and no one – tweeted an update no one asked about him in the press conference um the tyron johnson thing was also weird which we can get into really but, weird um tyron johnson playing almost as many snaps on offense as uh trey pipkins was was bizarre um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think the the last thing that i'll say here and then we'll move on to the other kind of big issues is like if all things are considered equal like if you're not going to really trust either one to be a starting kind of quarterback then daniel's experience with the offense is going to give him the edge so yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Again, I don't care if they keep Easton Stick. Great. If they keep Chase Daniel, great. I just like I don't yeah. trust either one. And you know, if they keep Easton Stick on the practice squad, then fantastic. I think that's a great situation for him. But we'll have to see what happens there. I, um, I, I just one second. Like I kind of disagree with the fact that like I don't feel comfortable with you know Daniel more than I do Stick, or like they're both equal and I don't trust them because like you know. 70 NFL games, the 70 NFL games coming in. Like, I'm not that he was the starting quarterback for each of those games, but like the fact that you have a guy that can come in like that, I think is, you know, uh, important. Stick has never had a regular season snap. Uh, it's not his fault that he hasn't, but you're moving in this direction with Herbert. And I just, I just feel like it's clear Chase Daniel is, is the guy at this point. Now, I think he could have shut down the conversation last night had he actually had a good game. Um, he shot the bed. But to me, you're just kind of going, okay. So Brandon's going to say that Stick played in a regular season game. He played two snaps for Herbert injury management against the Jaguars. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. That's not a thing. Okay. Thank you. Anyway, uh, but look, I thought Stick uh, played all right. But to me, in the macro, just doesn't change it. Yeah. I. I understand people are saying like Daniel has no upside. Stick has more upside. It's the backup quarterback. You're not choosing the backup quarterback based off of who has more upside. Right. Kellen Uh, Clemens didn't have more upside than Cardale Jones. It's just that he was the better backup that you would actually sort of trust. I mean, that's the argument. And a huge part of this is who does Justin Herbert have a better relationship with? Who's he able to rely more on in the film room? Who is able to rely more on the sideline? Your backup quarterback is essentially another quarterback's coach. So if he trusts Chase Daniel more, then that's who it's going to be. Um, okay, let's talk about the other big issue from last night, uh, and that is trouble in Hogadice. Yes, I had my that one. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that everybody really kind of crucified the offensive line, so we'll talk about the bad things first, and then we'll talk about the good things that I that I saw and and saw on Pro Football Focus. Um, obviously got to talk about the tackle situation with Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton. Um, I think it's a tough situation, but I'll, I'll let you guys kind of go first on this one since I started the last one. Uh, Tyler, what'd you see from Pipkins and Norton uh, in suck. person last night? Um, <laughs> listen, it was a train wreck to watch them. And there was a point where 
I mean, God. The, so the the safety happens, and it's like, oh man, there's Pipkins, and there's nothing worse than I mean, you already don't like him as much to begin with to, to go into that game, and then he gives up the safety, which is embarrassing as it is, you know. And then there's one point there was a holding penalty. I'm, I look at my dad and I go, that better not be 79. And they go, oh, holding 79. I'm like, oh, yeah. geez. <laughs> and it was just a fat disaster, and you know, I, I honestly didn't watch a whole lot of Norton. There was so much pressure from either side or up the other players. It was just like, yeah. well, what a disaster. You know, if I, if I watched the game, maybe on TV or whatever, I'd be able to watch the offensive line a little bit better. But uh, no, I just it, it was rough. There's no way around it. I am thankful for another rookie offensive lineman who played really well that you can talk about. Have at it, Stephen. But uh, yeah, Pipkins, as much as, you know, I kind of was on board with the idea of just keeping on the roster and just let him go you know, in through the season because Belaga is probably going to go down and you're probably going to need him anyway. But it's like, it's just, it's time. And there are so many other players. I'd rather keep seven interior defensive linemen at this point than keep Pipkins because they're just playing that much better. And Pipkins, it's awful, but I don't know. They're, they're stuck though. They don't really have any other options. Yeah. Um, Trey Pipkins was just hard to watch and he's been hard to watch. And it, it was, it was at a point yesterday where I'm watching the game. So I watch it on my computer and that's how I put those, you know, screenshots on Twitter and my thread. And I'm like, when the safety happened, I was like, do I want to screenshot this? Do I want to add to the negativity of Twitter? and Just put this into the fire. Yeah. Cause man, it was bad. Um, you know, a, a lot of it kind of categorized Norton and Pipkins is equally bad. Um, I sort of disagree with that. I thought Norton was bad, but not nearly as bad as Pipkins. Pipkins was just an automatic penalty or an automatic sack, almost automatic pressure. Um, It just felt rough to watch, uh, especially for a guy who was a third round pick, as we talked about last week. Um, And I think you have to have a serious conversation about potentially cutting him. Like, you know, uh, obviously we didn't think it would, get to a point uh, where it's just like, Hey, we're cutting him this early on. Uh, I think a lot of us thought he would at least be on the roster. And I still do think so because Tom Telesco stubborn and he's not going to cut him. Um, but uh, I, I just, I'm at a point where I'm like, what are we watching? And even Brandon Staley was like, yeah, they both sucked. <laughs> which, which was a funny thing to hear both game. Uh, Cause you know, Lynn would have been like, actually I saw great redeeming qualities about both of them. <laughs> I, I appreciated Brandon Staley being like, you know, they're bullshit today. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, it's a tough spot, like I said. You know, and people have been talking about, oh, is there some free agent tackle they can sign? I mean, Russell Okung, but he has blood clots. So, like, are we really going to go after that? So, to me, yeah. it just seems like the Chargers are, you know, stuck in this situation with no real answer at swing tackle other than, like, maybe putting Hymas there. Um, at this point, I would favor Norton over Pipkins but that isn't saying a lot. Um, and so this is just kind of where we are with it. Um, as far as the other offensive line performers, I thought Abushi had a kind of bad penalty uh, early on in that game where he had that uh, sort of like chop block penalty. Uh, but other than that, he played all right, given the circumstances I felt. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was a really terrible day for the offensive line, no matter what way you put it, you know, you can be like, Hey, stick should have thrown that sooner or, you know, this should have happened. But it was just pretty inexcusable play from really the second half of the first quarter onwards. Well, that's the thing. I, I think the first two drives for the offensive line were, were solid. 
I think outside of the safety, like I, I think, you know, the, the starting five that they had yesterday played pretty well. Um, I loved what I saw from Matt Filer, you know, pulling out on a, on a couple plays and, and making some good blocks on the edges. Um, I, Abuji's penalty, like that's a new penalty this year. And Brandon Staley said that they just barely learned about that, like literally four days ago. So okay. I, so Abuji's is, is kind of understandable. Um, I thought Storm Norton played okay. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that he played great, but I, I just don't think that Storm gives you the bad that Pipkins does. Like I think he's just not very good. I don't think he just I, he doesn't offer the bad plays that Pipkins does. That's the biggest thing for me is that Trey Pipkins has improved as a run blocker and like he is getting stronger. But I, I think the biggest issues with him are, are just kind of the inconsistency in which he he pass sets like. Sometimes he kicks sets and it's great. Other times he has really good hand placement. And then other times he gets, you know, just beat off the edge. Like that kind of safety play should not happen for somebody that's supposed to be a good athlete. So, you know, a good athlete at the position, I should say. Um, So the Pipkins thing, it's definitely tough. I, I totally understand like the thought process that they had going in. Like, like, okay, the new staff, they'll get, they'll give Trey Pipkins a chance. You know they'll see what they have in him, and then theoretically you can sh- you can you know kind of address that issue next year if it still is an issue. But at this point, like Pipkins hasn't done enough to like you guys said merit a roster spot, much less being the swing tackle. And then Norton, while he's not necessarily terrible, he hasn't done enough to make me feel good about him being the swing tackle either. So it's definitely a tough situation. Um, barring like a real surprise cut, there's just not anything out there that I'm like super interested in. Ricky Wagner makes some sense because I mean, they love all these green Bay offensive linemen. So why not get another one? I mean, he's, he's familiar with the system, at least some of it. So I guess I would feel better about that, but you know, it's just not a good situation. And if they had, you know, a stud right tackle that never misses games, it wouldn't be that big of an issue, but this is Brian Bellagio we're talking about. This is the guy who's played two full seasons in 12 years or whatever he's been in the league at this point. So it's just a tough situation to watch. And um, as Kevin pointed out, Brandon said he did say afterwards that they weren't like helping them. They purposely let, left them on islands. Like they weren't chipping blocks. They weren't, you know, doing a whole lot of bootlegs outside of like the first couple of drives. Like they, they wanted a true and honest assessment of Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton. And boy, did they get one. Tough to watch. Tough to watch, indeed. Tough to watch. Um, but the other thing, Brandon Hymas, man, I am so excited about this guy. He gave up zero pressures on 24 pass blocking snaps last night, which, yes, that's not a ton of snaps, but considering everybody else around him was just awful for most of his time, that's amazing. Like, I'm so excited about Brandon Hymas. Um, Arjun said, texted me last night that he had a great run blocking grade as well. I didn't look at that, but, I, you know, I'm going to take his word for there. Um, I, I'm really, really excited about Brennan Hymas, and he showed this week he can play tackle. He can come in off the bench. Like the, I, I said this last week, but you know, just looking at Hymas and Slater, and the potential that those two have to man the left side of the offensive line for the Chargers for the next eight years. Like, I'm so excited, and you know, Brennan Hymas is. It's so funny because we're hearing all these players like Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell who are like struggling in in the preseason and like adjusting on the fly like they're playing new position and it's like well Slater hasn't played a game just like Sewell and Chase have and he's been awesome so far 
Hymas is learning a new position on the fly. He never played guard. So I, I'm a huge fan of Brennan Hymas, and I thought he played excellent yesterday. And PFF can suck it because I know his grade, his overall grade was not great. But I thought Brennan Hymas played great. I'm not at the point where, you know, I'm, I'm next 10 years on Hymas already like Steven is. <laughs> um, but I, I did think he was very uh, impressive, at least compared to the rest of the offensive line. And yeah. honestly, at this point, like if my options for swing tackle or Pipkins, Norton and Hymas, I'm picking Hymas out of that group. And so that's why I'm hoping obviously we won't really have access to to the practices this week. Um, but I hope that they kind of, you know, put him there for at least a couple reps and see how he is, because I would rather see him at swing tackle than the other two in the case that Brian yeah. Belaga goes down. I'm just at the point where I trust him more. Obviously, there's going to be growing pains. Uh, he is, you know, a rookie after all. But, you know, I feel like you've seen what the ceiling on Norton and Pipkins is. and It's not very good to me. Hymas is a guy who can at least kind of develop, you know, into that role um, based on what we've seen to this point. So, um, I'm excited about Hymas too. Um, I don't know if he'll play a lot this year. That's going to depend on, you know, how the rest of the offensive line plays out with Bushi and Balaga and everything that kind of surrounds those two. But, you know, I'm at the point where, you know, put that guy in and, you know, not put that guy in the starting lineup, but put that guy in over, you know, uh, when it comes to Pipkins and Norton on the depth chart for sure. Honestly, if you're really thinking about value and where they got him and performance above expectations, you could argue that Hymas has actually been the best rookie so far. I don't think he's a better lineman than Slater by any means. I think Palmer's really been the best rookie uh, from day one till now. But, you know, for Hymas to come in and, you know, I, I didn't know who this guy was, but of course, Steven knew who he was. <laughs> and you know, but then Brandon Thorne, I think, had like a second round grade on him or something. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. very interesting. And then uh, having reread all of Daniel Popper's reports from day one to day 17, you know, he starts at, okay, you know, Hymas is getting reps with the third teams. Okay, cool. Fifth round pick expected. And then the next week it's like, okay, now he's getting second round, uh, second team reps with the second team. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. And then I watch the scrimmage and he is like definitively not just rotating with another guy. He's definitively the left guard. So yeah. every week it's like something else. And then he goes, you know, then the, the last week, you know, and now he's trying out left tackle. Uh, just because they're, you know, why not? And, <laughs> yeah. and for him to, I think he started the training camp at right guard too. So right guard, left guard, left tackle. I'm sure right tackle he can throw in there too. You know, for him to be so good and then get, of course, Brandon Thorne comes out recently and gives him the Joe Tooney comp. So not, not as a pro, but you know, coming out of college. And yeah, man, the guy has just been more than we could have asked from him at this point. You know, whether he's going to be a good starter in the NFL, I don't know. But as of right now, he's exceeding expectations. and. Yeah, you know, if if somebody gets hurt, if if Belaga gets hurt, Filer to right tackle, Hymas to left guard. Right. If Slater goes down, unless you're not signing a guy, I'm probably, I mean, you're, they're probably going to put Norton at left tackle or whatever, but I would try Hymas out. And I think this entire week, why not? Why not try out Hymas at left tackle? You know he's your backup left guard anyway. I would love to see him just try a few more reps at left tackle. Unless it was terrible last week against the 49ers. I don't remember if he was responsible for a lot of the issues that they had, but you know, give him a shot because the guy has done nothing but exceed expectations so far. Have at it. Yeah. If anything happens to Brian Blaga and at some point it's probably going to, my my first move is putting Hymas in and you can put Filer at tackle, you can put Hymas at tackle. You know, that's the first move. Like Hymas needs to be the first offensive lineman off the bench unless something happens to Corey Lindsay. Then, of course, Scott Questenberry would come in. 
Um, but if any of the other four get hurt, Hymas needs to be the one that comes in, um, which is just, it's awesome to look at, but it, it is kind of concerning. Like I would love to have something more established. Um, and then Ryan Hunter, man, I, I think Ryan Hunter has been solid. I think he, uh, I think he's only given up one pressure in the two preseason games and he's pretty clearly, you know, overtaken that other guard spot from Tyree St. Louis, who, uh, I think started the first preseason game and then, you know, they moved, uh, Ryan Hunter in. So at, at this point, in my opinion, I think you keep the starting five, of course, and then you keep Norton, Hymas, Questenberry, and Ryan Hunter. You deal with the nine offensive linemen. And I think that's okay. Like, I think you have two really solid backups in Hymas and Questenberry, and then you have two okay to solid-ish potentially in Ryan Hunter and Storm Norton, and then, you know, you'll see what happens next year. Yeah. Talk to me about Hunter. I know you were much you because of course, like I said, you you always focus on these guys. I wasn't yeah. watching Ryan Hunter. Couldn't tell you what number he is. So tell me about Hunter and how he's been doing. Some Brooke was getting mad at me yesterday because I would watch the offensive line and then I would rewind <laughs> it the snap and then watch this. No the, way. Watch the ball. Yeah, because that's kind of been <laughs> that's oh, that's so infuriating. Oh man. No in the season, season, I'll 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 just watch the the actual play like unfold, right? Because I like. I don't really care. Like, I mean, I do care about offensive line play, but you know, yeah. I just want to watch the game and get it over with in a regular season setting. So um, Ryan Hunter was definitely under the radar. Like when he signed with the team last year on the practice squad, I was like, who is this guy? Um, I know that he was on the chiefs and he played, he actually played tackle for the chiefs. Um, hmm. So I, I messaged one of the chiefs writers last year and he was like, he was okay. Just really felt like he wasn't really a tackle. Felt like he should have been kicked inside. Um, and, and so that was kind of what I had heard someone who was just kind of a replacement level player. Um, and he's looked solid. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, he's looked, you know, great, but him and Questmary have some really good communication and, and chemistry going. I think, you know, those two are, are kind of the, the focus at the point of the attack blocks that I, from what I've seen for the most part, um, Hymas generally works on his own or works with, you know, the left mm. tackle. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Hunter and Questenberry have a good relationship. It seems like, you know, Hunter is not like the strongest guy, but he is able to, to work really well in space. He's able to do some polling things as well. Like Matt Filer is. So, um, hmm. I think he's an okay backup. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say like, he's awesome, but, um, he's definitely surprised me, especially considering like he was a practice squad guy. I think he played in the CFL too, or he's from Canada, something like that. Um, but I'm okay with those four. Like I really am. Where else can you get a Ryan Hunter scouting report, man? Hit that like button. <laughs> I, I, I will take your word for it because I'm not a psycho who rewinds the game to watch <laughs> offensive line snaps. Like, Jesus, did you watch the game for like five hours yesterday? Oh my God. Well, we don't points. have all 22 anymore, so I got to I gotta do something, man. Like, I got to figure out how to watch them when it's I can. Um, so the other thing that I think some people are kind of concerned about, which we can talk about, is the returning situation. And mm -hmm. I thought that yesterday was a huge opportunity for KJ Hill to really kind of, you know, similar to Easton Stick and, and you know, Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. It was a huge opportunity for KJ Hill to, you know, give his stamp of approval and be like, I'm the guy. But I just don't think he has the kind of juice that you really need at returner. And then the other problem is that, you know, Austin Prohl didn't wasn't playing. And so you have Jalen Guyton and Michael Bandy taking punts. And then you have Larry Roundtree returning kicks. So, I'm just really confused at this point of what the plan yeah. is at mm -hmm. the return positions, because I think Roundtree and Adderley, they're probably okay returning the kicks, but 
Like, what is going on at punt return? And I think a lot of people are rightfully concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, I was just sort of watching the game, and I'm like, all right, so KJ, first of all, I don't understand why they sat Austin Prohl. Um, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. a lot of the team's decisions when it comes to not starting and not dressing guys. Like, Jerry Tillery needs the reps, and he should yeah, be he playing does. 100%. I don't understand yeah. why he's getting that veterans pass. Like, I don't understand why uh, that you have, you know, Prol and Egbule not playing. Like, I feel like they should have. Um, but it's just kind of like, this is what special teams is. Um, I honestly thought, like, going deeper into special teams, like, punt coverage was actually okay in the first half. And then in the second half, it just yeah. <laughs> dramatically, uh, which is, you know, along with the Daniel implosion, not great. Um, so it just was, uh, tough to watch special teams day again, other than Michael Badgley, who of course hits a 50 yard field goal <laughs> just when he's about to be out of the kicker competition. Um, yeah. so, you know, right place, right time. Uh, but yeah, as far as like punt returning, kick returning, I think we're just at a point where it's, it, it's really tough to uh, kind of evaluate, um, how it's going to get better. I, I think Adderley is an okay starting kick returner. Um, I think KJ Hill is is what he is. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I would go Prol over Hill just because Prol has that kind of juice. Uh, they gave him a chance to separate himself yesterday, and he didn't. Like it's that kind of simple for me when it comes to KJ Hill, uh, and he doesn't provide you much uh, as a receiver. I thought it was really funny when uh, uh, was it Easton Stick who was trying to pick up that first down, and then he just like threw that ball to KJ oh, Hill. Yeah. And expected him to- <laughs> Expected him to accelerate another like four yards for that first down. I'm like, he's not going to do that. <laughs> I think slow. Daniel threw that, but yeah, that was. Oh, it was name. Daniel. Okay, I, you know, the whole game kind of blended in for me. Uh, so yeah, if it was Daniel, then it's Daniel. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't particularly impressed with KJ Hill, and then there's the whole Joe Reed situation where Joe Reed is in a boot uh, and he can't play and is seemingly on the outs of the roster already. So, you know, really their two special teams draft additions from last year seem kind of done. Um, and that's really tough to see. And they're sort of rebuilding from scratch uh, a little bit. Obviously, they'll have Adderley, a kick returner, Hill or Prohl at punt returner, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, it, outside of the Badgley field goal, it just felt like it was a really disappointing day all around. Again, for special teams, not quite as bad as last week, in my opinion but it left a lot to be desired. Yeah, the KJ Hill thing is weird. And even by not playing, I saw how much more valuable Austin Prohl is as a receiver and returner because it just things were kind of off. And then if I'm not mistaken, KJ Hill, for whatever reason, decided to field the punt at the five-yard line and get three yards. And I believe that's what set up the eventual safety too. Yep. So that's not a good decision. If I'm not mistaken, he was also run blocking on a play where Roundtree got blown up for five yards in the backfield as well off the guy he was supposed to be blocking. And then they've done everything they possibly could to give him at least the on-field snaps and opportunities to be a receiver. And so far, and I'm, I'm almost positive he's played more snaps at receiver than anybody else in the preseason so far, he has 18 yards. He's 18 yards in one-and-a-half-ish preseason games. And that's just not good enough. And there was even, you know, watching some things with Chase Daniel, there were times where it might – I mean, listen, I didn't rewatch the game. And it's very hard to see what receivers do when you're watching it live and then through the, the stupid replay because we don't have all 22. But my dad said, hey, why did KJ Hill stop there? I'm like, I don't know. It looked like they were just the chemistry was off. And there's just there's just nothing really – it just doesn't offer you anything at this point. It stinks because there is some talent there. 
And I hope some of you kept your receipts where you said you shouldn't resign Keenan Allen because you have KJ Hill. <laughs> not, not you two, but there were people. And you, better start deleting, you better start deleting it right now because I'll go back and find it. Um, but, I forgot um, about that. Oh my gosh. That was the thing. Y'all were dead. Some, not y'all, but many people were dead serious about that one. Uh, but yeah, the KJ Hill thing is just eh. so. You know, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that, look, it just, we're trying things out, but when we get to the regular season, Adderley is your kick returner and Prol is your punt returner. Or if you need Prol to be your kick returner too, if you want to take the edge off or, you know, take a little bit of a load off for um, for Adderley because he's a starting safety, go for it. So I, I really hope that Prol sitting just indicates that he has the job locked in. But I don't know. It, like you said, it's, it's so confusing. I don't understand what their decisions are. And then as far as Tillery goes, like, I don't know. I don't, under, I don't I know we're not talking about Tillery, but Alex brought it up. I don't understand <laughs> why he's being asked to sit because honestly, as far as expectations go, everyone in this defense, when Ms. Daly was hired, was expected to be somewhat better. And I think that a lot of guys have shown that they've either developed or learned more or taken on a bigger role, right? So even Chris Harris Jr., who I don't think he's gotten any better necessarily, he's at least playing, you know, safety, slot, outside, whatever. Kaiser White looks amazing. Drew Tranquil looks amazing, right? Kenneth Murray looks better. Everybody looks so much better. The interior defensive line looks great. The corners in the back end of the roster look great. Where has Jerry Tillery been? Has anybody, I mean, I'm not saying he's at a bad camp, but boy, like yeah. Justin Jones is playing way better. Justin Jones deserved to sit, honestly. Jerry Tillery, not really. And if Tillery goes like, if you're trying to protect Tillery to make sure he gets to the regular season, I guess. But then if Tillery goes down, there's a lot of interior defense line behind him that I would, I mean, I'm not to say they would like them more, but they've been so productive. I'm not, really as worried if Tillery goes down because there's a lot of guys behind it that deserve a shot. So that that whole thing is really strange to me. So I don't know. I don't know what their plan is with that, but I think it's going to backfire. And I think yeah. uh, Jay Jay brings up a good point in the chat with Adderley returning. Like, yeah, he's good at it, but like he could also get killed on, you know, a kick return. Totally. And then suddenly, mm -hmm. you know, you have to start Alohi Gilman or Mark Webb alongside Terwin James. Like, so that... Yeah. That's kind of problematic, like as, as good as he was at the end of last year when it came to kick returning. Um, I, I think there are some real reasons to have concerns with them doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, apparently someone pointed out the, the Keenan Allen, KJ Hill thing was someone named Alvin. Um, I don't know if there are multiple Alvins, but I, I think do I know, know a Alvin. So uh, shout out to that guy. That was fun. That was good stuff. Um, yeah, everyone knows that I, I, I'm a bit bigger than most on Tillery. But it, it is very, you know, unfortunate, like, what's going on there. And I, I think, like, if he's performing well in camp and, like, we're just not hearing about it, like, that's one thing. But Daniel Popper flat out said – well, not flat out, but he basically said on his stream that the only reason Tillery is starting is because they don't feel like they have a better option than him, which is not a great <laughs> endorsement from Daniel Popper. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like, my concern level is definitely higher on Jerry Tillery. I still think he'll be able to make some plays. Like even if he's just last year's version of Jerry Tillery, yeah. like we'll still hear from him. It, it's just that you're wanting to see that development right. and he needs the reps because he did not play a lot at defensive tackle last year at three technique at five. I, whatever the plan is for him, he didn't get a ton of reps at it last year. So I, I understand Justin Jones, not playing like, because we've heard about him dominating practice at times, but it is unfortunate that we didn't get to see someone like Tillery and it like, the thought process of, okay, well, Kyler, Kyler Fackrell and Nchenna Moser are going to play like basically the whole first half, and yeah. Kenneth Murray is going to play twenty five snaps, but Jerry Tillery can't get any snaps. Like it, that one doesn't yeah. make sense to me. 
I will um, say that uh, I will say that all Jerry Tillery uh, believers will be welcomed into the Church of Justin Jones when it all goes wrong. <laughs> we'll see. We we heard about uh, Justin Jones breakout last year too, so you know I'm gonna wait and see that with that one. Um, all right. So the last thing that we have scheduled for today is gonna be risers and fallers. We decided to change it from winners and losers because that just feels like. Weird. <laughs> um, so we're gonna talk about risers and fallers. And then we'll uh, talk about some questions that you guys have. So definitely hit us up in the chat if you have questions. We'll get to them. Um, I think the biggest riser for me from yesterday is Kyler Fackrell. Like, to me, he's clearly been the more talked about player and the more productive player in the preseason games. You know, he's setting the edge with, you know, very solid at a very solid rate. He's getting pressures. He had three pressures yesterday and three pressures the week before. Had the sack yesterday, which was kind of Cortez Broughton's doing. Um, but, hey, he got the sack. He finished the job. So I, I think Kyler Fackrell, in my opinion, has, has kind of cemented his status. Like, he is a player who has kind of had those mic drop moments and, and won his position battle. Um, well, I, I still think Uchenna Nwosu is going to have a role, but I've been very pleasantly surprised with Kyler Fackrell's play so far. He's been the surprise of the entire offseason. And listen, I liked Fackrell, but you know, when you don't draft anybody, you know, early and early on, and you take a guy like Kyler Fackrell, who is supposedly just your rotational guy or third guy behind in most, you think, okay, it's in Mosu's year. Here we go. But it's it's almost feels like it's been nothing but Fackrell. And yeah. look, I've seen some great plays from Mosu. I've seen him beat Slater on that first day. I've seen him beat him Slater at the scrimmage. So I know this stuff is there. And we've all seen Chenna Mosu on the Chargers in the NFL last season, playing really well. So he can do it, but it's been such a surprise seeing Frackle. So, yeah, really good call there. Uh, can, we, can I talk about a faller then? Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, then I have to go off of Nchenna Mosu then. Nchenna Mosu is, is a faller, and I, I don't think his role is going to change a ton, but his pass rush productivity through two preseason games is 2.1. Frackle's is 11.7. For reference, Mosu is currently 15th on his own team in pass rush productivity. Oof which is not good and uh, granted some of that includes like dbs who have you know two pass rush reps but still like you expect a little bit more from him and for Fackrell to be so much better it's just surprising and we gave everyone gave the chargers and, and bradley and lynn a lot of shit for not being able to figure out and and, and admit they couldn't figure out what to do with the chin and mosu and i still think that is a, a them problem of that that staff problem but i just i didn't i didn't see this coming i honestly did not see in Wosu taking a backseat to free agent Kyler Fackrell coming. But here we are. And Fackrell should honestly be the starter opposite Joey Bosa. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like when Kyler Fackrell was signed, I actually think we were doing the live stream. And I was like, you know, he's a good <laughs> rotational player uh, coming over from the Giants. That's I, I, right. watched bunch, yeah. I watched a bunch of him for that reason. And I was like, you know, he, I think he can play. I did not expect him to be opposite Joey Bosa week one as the no. starter at all. Um, I, I liked him, but I was like, and Wosu to me is still edge too. Um, and Wosu, meanwhile, is missing an action, uh, really. And uh, Kyler Fackrell's done nothing but impress. Uh, just he's there every single play. Uh, Garoppolo obviously got you know disturbed when you know when that happened, and he was kind of harassing Lance in the backfield too. Yeah. Um, it, it was just really constant pressure. Um, and I don't think, and again, it's preseason. But I've never really seen Nwosu kind of give his snaps like that. Like, obviously, there's the Ravens playoff game, and, and there's some, you know, interesting moments. But I really just don't think I've ever seen an Nwosu game that's quite, you know, that dominant where he's just firing, you know, on all cylinders. Um, 
you know, obviously this is all very tenuous and maybe the regular season will reveal it to, to kind of be a bunch of noise on some level. Right. Um, but to me, I think Fackrell was really impressive. Um, so, you know, I, I got to give him credit uh, definitely as a winner. And Steven mentioned Cortez Broughton. Um, I didn't think before the first preseason game that Cortez Broughton was really a lock to make the roster. But now I think he's kind of a lock to make the roster. And there's a really tough decisions that are going to have to be made in kind of that interior defensive line. Because I also think Gaziano's look good. I also think Fajoko's look pretty good. But Broughton's kind of the the winner of that group for me so far. Like he was just uh, all out there. He's been around the ball or seemingly around the quarterback like every time. Uh, so I've been really impressed with him. So, um, yeah, he would kind of be my other uh, winner from yesterday. And as far as my <laughs> it's going to feel weird to call him a winner. But Michael Badgley kind of won yesterday. I mean, he hit the 50-yard field goal. And I look, I, at this point, I do not believe in Badgley or Viscaino. Full disclaimer. <laughs> but yeah. we came off of that practice, that last one, where Tom Telesco was sitting right there and Viscaino goes three for six. Then Viscaino doesn't, unfortunately, get a chance to kick in this game. But Badgley hits a 50-yarder, right? So um, I don't know if that accounts for a full momentum swing by any means. But I think it means the kicking competition is really still open. Uh, and so that is a win, I think, for Michael Badgley. Yeah, unfortunately, last week was the Viscano week. This week is the Badgley week. So, I mean, there's one week left until they have to decide. So, Well, well, Badgley did kick in the second half. He just kicked in the extra point, I think, last game. And yeah, I, yeah. Think they, I think they sort of intended week for performance. Viscano. Yeah. I think they intended for Viscaino to do that this game, but they didn't get a chance to kick it in the second half because the offense sucked. Um, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, no, I meant like the like the week of practice and then like the week of practice in the game. So oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like last week, Viscano seemed like he was, you know, pushing along and, and pushing for the like stamping in and out. But uh, Badgley came back this week. So credit to him. Uh, he did kick two two touchbacks as well. I think one of them could have been returned, but the 49ers guy elected not to. But um, Badgley's not going away, uh, unfortunately, for us, I guess. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we'll see. But um, Shy Blicky, you know, pointed out my next riser, man. Nick Neiman has looked really, really good in these preseason games. Um, He's still a work in progress in terms of coverage. The one touchdown, um, the first touchdown that Trey Lance threw, was definitely a miscommunication between Nick Neiman and Mark Webb. Um, if I remember correctly, the Niners motioned out a receiver and Tavon Campbell kind of pointed at the person who he was leaving and pointed to Neiman and Mark Webb and saying, hey, like, this is the guy. So there was definitely a miscommunication between those three of what happened because that person went right in between Nick Neiman and Webb and was basically wide open. I think it was Mohamed Sanu. Um, yeah. So Neiman's still a work in coverage. But he's flying around, man, and his speed is really, really evident from the linebacker position. Um, Brandon Staley said that he's a, a core four starter for them now. Um, oh. So Nick Neiman nice. in, in terms of special teams. So Nick Neiman is really kind of taking that next step. And by default, unfortunately, you know, Eamon Ogbogmamiga, who got hurt, didn't play, you know, I think is kind of by the wayside. I don't know. That, that's going to be an interesting decision between him and Cole Christian Jansen, but Last week, it kind of seemed like Eamon was was really impressive and Nick Neiman was kind of not. This week, it was a Neiman week, and I think Neiman played really well. And you know, I think he's going to be that fourth linebacker um, pretty much guaranteed at this point, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I really like Nick Neiman. It's not because I mocked him six to the Chargers or anything. <laughs> so I'm not totally partial to him or anything. Um, I thought Neiman was a better linebacker last week. The stats back it up against the run and against the pass. But then, yeah, it's unfortunate that Ogbong Bumiga goes down. But then Neiman, yes, there were those two coverage gaffes. One, the, the one down the sideline, I, I need to rewatch. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. But either A, sticking him on a receiver, he probably shouldn't be covering that deep. Or B, he expected help from the top from Webb. So I don't expect him to be in that position a whole lot. But as far as what he does against the run, he currently is third in the lead in ta- again. It's just tackles, I know, but he's third. He has the third most tackles in the NFL with zero misses, and his average depth of tackle is two point seven yards, which basically means that he's averaging a run stop. You know, in, in terms of his depth of tackle, he is so good against the run. He's so great at either engaging with his blocker to help somebody else out, or disengaging with his blocker to go make the tackle, or like you saw on the third and short play or whatever it was, just flying straight to the backfield, all that speed, all the instincts. And just a sure tackler again, no misses so far, despite being the yeah. third most, having the most third most tackles in the NFL in the preseason. Not just rookies, I mean anybody. And he still has even, zero misses. Even that tackle that he had against Ayuk in the end zone, like that was so impressive for him mm-hmm. to just you know square to rights, line up a guy like Brandon Ayuk who was so disruptive last year, and that was impressive, man. It, it's a weird feeling, like linebacker might actually be like the depth chart position that i feel the best about on the chargers like it's so weird because you know just two years ago it was like the reason that they lost to the patriots (laughs) so i don't know i'm just really excited about this linebacker group and if they can stay relatively healthy i know brandon staley called it an attrition position like someone's gonna get hurt at some point but i feel really good about the first four linebackers and then fifth we'll see what kind of happens to amen and how long he's gonna miss or not um but yeah with the first four i feel really good about them can I list Trey Lance as a riser and Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> as a faller? If you want to, man, go for it. <laughs> yeah, like, look, uh, separate note from the Chargers, but I thought Trey Lance was just really fun to watch. Like, yeah. he just found ways to get it done, and he started rough because he had those uh, that Tavon Campbell uh, interception and just didn't look hot to start. But, like, I, I really think he's kind of special. Like, it-, it feels weird to say that after one preseason game, uh, you know, two after you can count last week. But once he got dialed in and that drive he led um, down with the two-minute drill, like I thought that was really impressive. And then he comes out of halftime and just starts, you know, really roasting them. And, of course, throws a touchdown to Travis Benjamin on the Chargers. Uh, so that's that's great. Um, but I, I thought Travis Trey, Benjamin. Yeah. Uh, so Trey Lance was uh, just really fun to watch. Uh, and Jimmy G, I'm not going to go as far as to say Jimmy G was trash, but he had those two uh, high throws and like, I I don't know. It felt like he sort of just never really like hit his receivers in stride. Um, So yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens. Um, But yeah, so I I just watched him and, you know, uh, I I said that Kyle Shanahan had the sex eyes for Justin Fields, but he he has reason (laughs) to have them for Trey Lance. (laughs) The return of sex eyes is back. Um, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think Trey Lance just gives them some juice that they don't have with Jimmy G. I think, you know, Jimmy G is right in that tier of, of being a game manager who like at his best is, is a good one. But I, I think, you know, they don't have the same kind of roster that they did in 2018. Like, I think they need the extra mm-hmm. juice that Trey Lance gives them, uh, if they want to compete in the NFC West, cause the NFC West is crazy loaded. Um, so I want to see Lance, I want to see fields right away too. I know there's like this notion on Twitter that like, oh, the the Bears offensive line sucks. So why would you have field start against Aaron Donald? It's like, 
he's going to play great defensive players like all the time. Like you, you can't, you know, you don't get to hide him against every single plus defensive matchup. So I'm, I'm of the belief now, like it's cemented in my mind forever after watching Justin Herbert. If you draft a quarterback in the first round, he should start every single game and, and as a rookie. Like that's just, that's where I'm at with the, with the quarterback position these days. Unless he's Jordan Love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless you have like a clearly like established MVP player in front of him. Of course. Yes. But that guy shouldn't have been drafted in the first round anyway, but that's a different <laughs> conversation. Um, all right, guys, let's get to some questions here. We'll wrap it up in you know a few more minutes. So uh, if you do have any questions, let us know. Uh, I did see a question earlier. Let me see if I can go back to it. Uh, Devin Dukes asked us, hey, guys, I'm new to the Chargers. As a 3-4 under CLA, does that mean Bosa will be playing outside, and how much coverage can we expect him to do? Obviously, we haven't seen Bosa this preseason, but what do you guys think about that one? Yeah, so um, Joey Bosa, like his primary objective is going to be rushing the passer. Like that's that's what he does, right? But I think we'll see him drop into coverage like once or twice a game, like tops. Um, what I will say when I went back and watched the Chicago Bears and how they use Khalil Mack in, in this kind of regard, like there are certain times where the edge rusher will like start the play in the snap and then kind of just like start the play in the snap, start the play in the slot and then just kind of stay in that flat area and, and just kind of be like a zone coverage defender. Um, Leonard Floyd kind of did some stuff like that too, or there were other times where Leonard Floyd would just start on the line of scrimmage and then just basically take like two steps backwards. And like, that's his coverage snap. So Bosa's is not going to be in man-to-man coverage. He's not going to be, you know, going up against Alvin Kamara in, in man coverage. Like, I understand that they're like people are talking about that. Dan Fouts was like, he's going to be in coverage all the time. It's like, no, no, no. It's going to happen like once or twice a game. It's mostly covering the flat, covering the middle, spying the quarterback kind of stuff. Nothing major. Yeah, the, the one almost opportunity he had at the scrimmage, he was lined up against, I think it was like Keenan Allen or Jalen Guyton in the slot. But then Chris Harris rotates over. And then Joseph Joey Bosa kind of shifts over just a little bit. And then rushes the passer from there. Like I, he's not going to be lined up one on one against Tyreek Hill. Like none of that's going to happen. He's just going to like like Steven said, cover the flat. So I'm not too concerned about it. And if you're wondering, it was a good mix in my opinion of hand in the dirt versus standing up. So I think it's just you know whatever you need. A couple of people asked about uh, Chris Rump's status and Nasir Adderley. Um, so Nasir Adderley, it seems like was a close contact COVID list uh, request. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he, it doesn't seem like he's going to be out for very long. I, I think Ryan Smith is the one who tested positive, um, based off of what mm-hmm. Tom Pelissero said, Pelissero said that there was one positive test, one close contact. Um, so Adderley shouldn't be out that long. As far as Chris Rumpf, we didn't get an update yesterday. Um, he was still in his walking boot yesterday. Um, but initially Brandon Staley said that he was not going to be out for very long. It's not a long-term thing. Uh, so hopefully he's able to get back and play in the game this week. Um, another question from Kevin Harris. Were you concerned about that 49ers TD uh, right before the end of the first half? Uh, he said it kind of, I guess, reminded him last year, typical Charger thing to happen. I mean, put the starting defense on the field and let's see what happens. Like, I just don't, like, it's whatever. I'm not really concerned about it. 
I will be concerned about if that's what happens repeatedly in the in the regular season, but for right now it's like it's whatever. Yeah. Uh with all that speed, Guyton and T Billingham, I'm surprised they haven't tried them returning kicks, uh, not to mention how deep the wide receiver room is. Uh, from Dustin. Uh, Tyron Johnson has gotten some looks and so has Jalen Guyton in practice, particularly in like the first week. Um, but those, uh, neither of those players look comfortable returning kicks or punts, um, which is kind of is unfortunate because, you know, you watch someone like, you know, Marco Stevenson for Buffalo had a punt return this, uh, this, uh, I think on Saturday for the Bills. And it's like you look at the speed and you're like, man, like Tyron Johnson could do stuff like that, right? But, you know, as Craig pointed out to us and a couple others, it's just, it's just kind of a comfort thing in terms of fielding the kick. And then, of course, it's all instincts, you know, kick in and then you're after the catch. But um, it just doesn't feel like Tyron Johnson or Jalen Guyton are very comfortable in those roles. It's a bummer, though, because I would love to have – not that I want to kick Austin Pro off the roster or anything, but – it would be nice if one of those receivers you're holding on to can also do yeah. that so you can keep somebody else, but they can't. So here we are. Darren Michael uh, says, can you guys explain the new practice squad rules re being able to protect four players? So uh, from what I understand, the new practice squad rules are the same as last year. So you can keep 16. I'm sure we'll talk about the practice squad and who should be on it at some point after they make the final cuts. Um, but yeah, so you can protect four players every week. You can re-protect players if you want, right? So if Stick, for example, got cut and ended up on the practice squad, then they can technically protect him uh, every week or protect another player that they cut. Uh, and you can use that sort of an unlimited amount of times. Uh, so it's not like you have to cut, you know, protect one player this week and protect another the next week, right? Um, you can sort of protect the same players, but uh, from what I understand, uh, not every team used the protections last year, really only if they had to, you know, like for, for roster reasons. Um, but yeah. Um, Kevin asked if we saw stick fail at running a mesh concept. Uh, I didn't Tyler, did you see that? It. Um, I'm sure I saw him do it. I just didn't realize he was failing at that in particular. <laughs> yeah. Although again, the mesh, the, the, the shallow crossers is not the primary read at the outside. And then you go to the shallow crosses is the last part. So, uh, Kevin, let me know which part he failed at. Oh, we got a Niners fan in here. Okay. Okay. Uh, hit the, hey, man, we'll take it. Just hit the like uh, button. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how much stock you're putting into a preseason game, but like, I mean, the Chargers, like seven best players were not playing yesterday. So, and one of them happened to be their starting quarterback. Oh, uh, here. Thomas Martinez, what position group is most likely to have a post-roster cut addition? That's an interesting one. Um, I mean, it's been the receivers or the tight ends have kind of been the ones where it's like, we're cutting Bandy and then he's back. We're cutting the tight end, do I forget? Cyber. back. Cyber, thank you. Um, I guess offensive line after yesterday like is kind of the number one <laughs> option here, but... You know, we'll have to see who gets cut. I know, like, there was a surprise cut. Like, the Panthers cut David Moore, the rookie, from Grambling. Like, unless someone, like, really surprising like that gets cut, then then I don't know. Like, I think the offensive line is what it is at this point. Maybe linebacker. Uh, I mean, no one, no one's – it's not – luckily, the Chargers are pretty healthy, so it's not like they're – it's more of a need for better depth. And, yeah, I guess so. I guess tackle. 
Brett asked, how vanilla is the play calling the season? Are they showing interesting looks or keeping things kind of close to the vest? Um, I think in the first game we saw them be a little bit more aggressive. Um, if you want to call it that, I think yesterday was just, it was really hard for anything to happen in the second half. Um, but I think like we saw Easton stick at some rollouts. We saw him do some RPO stuff. We saw him throw the ball down the field. So I feel like the play calling has been good. Um, when they've gotten in those like second and long situations, I haven't loved those play calls. Like they called a screen to uh, Joshua Kelly on like second and 12. And then the Niners tackle kind of just like wrapped Joshua Kelly up at the line. And then that's when Easton stick like threw the ball at Ryan Hunter with his left hand and they got called for grounding. Um, didn't love that, but I feel like the play calling for the most part has been about what we expected. Lots of, lots of mesh, lots of slants, lots of crossers, lots of rollouts. And the quick game in the first game against the Rams was, was, was something that I liked. So I feel pretty good about the play calling at this point. I don't think it's been vanilla at all. Of course, they're waiting for things. Maybe just watching the preseason games, even last night, I was begging for Justin Herbert to take the field because, God, I needed somebody who was just <laughs> that dynamic, who could just do more than Stick was doing. And so, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily vanilla. Um, we have a guy. So Adam Barney is concerned that we skipped his question. So what I'm going to do is uh, skip it again. <laughs> I didn't see, I, this is no offense I didn't, even to Adam. See I didn't see i didn't see his question so that's that that might be on me i don't know super chat questions uh, are guaranteed the rest we pick and choose as we go uh arjun did mention something we brought up briefly uh thoughts on tyron johnson not starting and playing less than kj hill in the first half your guess is as good as mine i have yeah, no idea fair. why that was even and then yeah, they're making for some reason tyron johnson is now the the short yardage you know, you know, screen kind of guy. Like, I'm so confused. It almost seems like he needs to have Justin Herbert to be the T-Billy that we all know and love for whatever reason. When he's out there with, with the stick or with Daniel or whatever, it's just a strange combination. And I don't understand what their plan is for him because he, he was the training camp superstar for a week or two weeks or whatever. And, like, what happened? So, hopefully, I'm just hoping that his role is generally cemented. But, it's, I don't know, it's so strange. I don't know what they're doing with him. Uh, Bobby Ruff said, I would take stick over Daniels any day. And if either of you uh, know football, I believe you would also. Uh, so here's my challenge. I think you should start a YouTube channel, get to 3000 subscribers and then get back to us uh, on if we know ball or not. Oh, that doesn't mean we know anything. I don't know anything about football. So I got, yeah, but suck for. it. How about, how about you? Suck <laughs> it? I, I think everyone, you know, the great thing about football is that everybody can have a different opinion. Like there's really no way to truly quantify if we know football by whether or not our opinion on stick Easton stick or chase Daniel, like this is our show. Like this is our opinion. And at this point, like it's not really even about who's better. It's about who knows the coaching staff and the offense better, which is chase Daniel. Like that's just the bottom line for me. I know everybody really loves Easton stick after, after yesterday, but, um, I would invite anyone who really feels like they think that Easton Stick cemented his status as QB2 to go back and watch. Like, I think you'll see a lot of issues with what Easton Stick was doing yesterday besides using his mobility. Like, I think everybody crowning Easton Stick today, please go rewatch it and tell me again if you feel that same way tomorrow. Yeah, just can't let it go. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, Brandon Arias, so do the Chargers cut Pitkins after his performance in these two games. I think they can. I think they should, but I don't think Tom Telesco will. I think Tom Telesco is going to hold on to that pick as, as long as he can and just keep hoping that maybe he can turn into something someday. Oh, Arjun said, uh, thoughts on Trevor Sikama joining PFF today. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, so that's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, Solak joined uh, the Bringer. So um, I'm really happy that those guys are kind of moving on up and getting better opportunities. Obviously, Solak was on the show and uh, Sikama has been on some Chargers pods. So uh, it's just been really fun to see their growth. Yeah, good for everybody for going from TDN to whatever. Unfortunately, I thought TDN was actually the one I respected the most because I thought they put in the <laughs> most work. And True. so now I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Good for them. I'm sure their paycheck is better. So go get it. <laughs> yeah. And I think from a football standpoint, like, I think that's good for PFF. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people's critiques of PFF is that they don't really have like a, a quote unquote football guy like in their main group and now they do with trevor sycamore so i think yeah that'll be a good balance trevor is is an electric personality man like the locked on draft first podcast is or was a, a great listen with him and, and benjamin solak so uh that podcast will be missed for sure especially once the draft comes around uh Derek Ford, if Bradwell is cut, how likely is he to end up with the Lions? <laughs> <laughs> He's got that uh, F-150 like ability. Yeah. I thought he looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah. I thought he had a good game. I'm disappointed he doesn't have more touches, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought Bradwell also, he had that uh, play in the first game on special teams. Uh, like, honestly, when it comes down to it, like, Roundtree, I think, has been the third most impressive back. God, this is going to be crazy. I think Darius Bradwell has been better than Joshua Kelly. Um, and I think we should start having conversations about that. Uh, but I, I thought Bradwell's been really impressive on special teams. I thought he's been kind of, you know, okay, you know, re- receiving back. Obviously got a little bit of action yesterday. But, you know, he he's shown a little bit more movement. I mean, in comparison to, I guess, we, there was no preseason last year. But in comparison to what we saw in camp of a guy that, you know, looked sort of slow. Um, I, I think he looks a lot better. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I hope he ends up on the practice squad if, if they do have to cut him. Uh, I guess we can end on this one. <laughs> this was uh, from Butters. How do you feel about Michael Badgley's performance last night? Who do you want to start the next game, Biscaino or Badge? Well, we saw Badgley this week. So we got to see Viscano next week, in my opinion. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I would sort of say it'll be interesting to see. Um, I, to me, it doesn't matter when you play them, I guess. You can start with Viscaino or Badgley, but as long as they both, you know, get reps and you get a definitive look, um, it, it's just, it can sort of suck because, you know, you could have Viscaino, you know, in the first half and Badgley in the second, and then one of them maybe doesn't uh, doesn't get a chance to kick like this guy know in this game and Badgley only kicked one extra point I think in the second half in the first uh, preseason game so it's uh that that kind of stinks but uh, I would lean towards Viscaino as kicker at this point especially with the numbers that Tyler aggregated because he went through like every Daniel Popper article <laughs> and calculated their field goals nerd doing bad work <laughs> uh, but you know really what the numbers come down to for me, what we've seen so far is that uh, Viscaino has been about eight to 10% better as a kicker throughout the training camp preseason fan fest and all that stuff, even with a three for six day. 
Um, so personally, I still lean to Skyno. I don't really have confidence in either of them, like I've said. Um, but I do think the third preseason game, given Skyno's struggles at the end of the week against the Niners and then Badgley's 50-yard field goal that came out of nowhere, um, I do think that the kicking competition is far from over. Unfortunately, I just wanted someone to like be consistent, like win it. And it, it, we're just it's, we're just like going back and forth of like who's in, who's out. Like it's just annoying. Um, Adam Barney, like I hope you have a good day, man. Like it just really seems like you're having a tough day today. Um, Adam Barney, I am totally a numbers nerd, but also <laughs> anytime you want, feel free. We will play all eleven positions in the football field. I will fuck you up on all eleven of them. I know you think I'm just, I know you think I'm just some chink that sits here and doesn't know anything about football. I swear to oh, God. Get on the football field. I'll fuck you up in football. I'm sorry. You all think I'm just some random ass Chinese nerd going to UCI? Let's do it. Let's dance. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's Tyler's thing. I I can't play football, man. (laughs) My mom won't won't let me play football. My mom won't let me. (laughs) Growing up, she said I had to play basketball. Okay, so I only played like basketball and tennis and soccer. Like those are the three sports that I know. I've never played football, CTE, you know, that whole thing. The Will Smith movie, it didn't help. (laughs) <laughs> oh, Adam Barney's a Raiders fan. Okay. All right. Why are you watching the Chargers podcast, man? Oh, that's my favorite team. Never mind. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff, Tyler. We're going to end on that one. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, make sure Good and show. leave us a like, leave us a comment, subscribe to the channel. Um, we're going to be doing some fun uh, episodes in the coming future. We're going to do our roster, final roster predictions in the next couple of days. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Stay tuned for that one. And as always, bolt up. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.